Welcome to Dear Wallflower, your podcast advice column where every week your hosts will answer a letter from listeners just like you, answering the big life questions facing today's women. Make sure to stick around for our weekly recommendations on books, movies, music, lifestyle, beauty, and more. We're so glad you're here. Grab a cup of tea and come on in. Welcome, dear listeners, to this episode of Dear Wallflower. I am your host, Kelia Clarkson. I am an actress, writer, filmmaker, and the editor-in-chief of Wallflower Journal. And with me today is my lovely co-host, Jessica Schroeder. I'm a writer and PhD candidate, a food blogger, tea drinker, and adjunct theology professor. We want to thank each and every person who's tuned in today. We are always just so glad to have you with us. And I hope you find something warm to sip on as you listen. We will be getting to this week's letter in just a few moments, but first, let's get into our pre-letter segment of the show called Roses and Thorns, where we recount our highs and lows of the week, starting with our biggest challenges or frustrations that week, and finishing off with a blessing or positive, hopeful experience that we had. So Jessica, what was this week's thorn and this week's rose? So I mentioned a few weeks ago that I am starting a business and planning to launch a membership site sometime this year. So my thorn is that, uh, yeah, (laughs) wait a minute, lead up, um, context. So yesterday I spent some time working through a book about styling your brand as a business. And when I got to the typography sections, like fonts and lettering and stuff like that, I got just like all tied up in knots. I, I just really want to get it right, you know, but when it comes to choosing headlines and headings, and subheadings and accent fonts for website and other copy, I just feel kind of lost. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really like aesthetics and I generally feel like I have a pretty intuitive grasp of these things. Um, I even feel like when I was looking through like the section on colors and like, oh, I feel like the colors I chose are like pretty intuitively like connected to like the season of my brand and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, the this idea of like just wanting to get the fonts right, I just, I feel like it's part of my personality that, Yes. I, I don't know. It just, it could feel difficult to like, just like find what fits and like, how do I find it? How do I know? How do I decide? And just, I don't want to overthink it, but I do want to put enough time. So I feel like that was a bit of a thorn. It actually like woke up. I woke up mid midway through the night and I couldn't fall back asleep. Cause I was like, Oh, thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so, but all that, all that to be said, like the rose is that I feel like the progress that I have been making with getting my business set up has been really encouraging. Um, I've mm-hmm. been working to get my website set up, developing content, um, considering strategies for marketing and so much more. Like just, it's just kind of this phase of getting tons of ideas down. It's been a lot of fun. So I've been in a flurry of brainstorming many of the days of the week and it's just, again, it's been a lot of fun and I'm excited Um, And even when it feels a little bit scary, I remind myself that if your dream doesn't scare you a little bit, it isn't big enough. (laughs) That is so true. You need to be reaching for something like that's just beyond what you think you're capable of. I love that. Yeah. Well, my thorn this week has been my sleep schedule. So Mm. I've always been a night owl. I'm always up around you know, midnight, typically I'm still awake, but for some reason lately, I've had a really, really difficult time falling asleep any time, um, before like two 30 or three. 
And then of course I still need to be up at a reasonable time because I have work emails come in in the morning and I can't sleep in too late because of that. And so I just keep on functioning on not that much sleep, like not, you know, just like an hour of sleep, but just not quite enough sleep, which just hasn't been much fun. And I'm hoping that'll change soon. Yeah. That's difficult. Especially when you're doing it for several days in a row and you can't catch mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Yeah. And there's definitely been a lot on my mind, a lot of added work and tasks right now that might be keeping my engine going just a little bit later than um, normal. So hopefully this is a thorn that will disappear soon. Mm. But my rose this week was a wonderful gathering that I went to um, on Oscar Sunday. And so when this podcast comes out a week and a half ago, but my husband runs a podcast called The Overthinkers. And a couple of times a year, they organize these gatherings for Christians in the city, in New York City, I mean. And we go to this beautiful historic brownstone apartment that's owned by a few Christians here in the city. And we've had these gatherings numerous times over the last few years. And the Oscar watch party is always just so much fun for me. And talking about the winners and whatever movies are up for an award and just to connect with other creative minded Christians. And it's just always the most fun. So that was my rose this week. All right. So just a couple of things before we move on to our letter for this week. If you have been enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a review. It really, really, really helps boost the podcast, get in front of other people who might enjoy it and get something out of our advice. And please make sure to share it with a friend. And lastly, we would love to encourage you to send in your own letter to dearwallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. Or if you are on the Wallflower Journal page, go to the podcast tab and send in your letter there. We would love the opportunity to speak into the issues that you are facing today. All right, let's move on to our letter for today, which covers the subject of whether or not an age gap should matter in a relationship. Dear Wallflower, what are your thoughts on relationships, especially romantic ones, between individuals with a significant age gap? I have been told my entire life that I would like to marry someone older, and truthfully, I tend to gravitate toward older men. Yet, Many of my older female friends speak adamantly against young women dating older men. I'm honestly not sure what to think. For reference, I'm in my early 20s and tend to be attracted to men between their late 20s and late 30s from anonymous. All right, Jessica, what are your thoughts for our writer today? This is a really interesting subject. It is. This is a very interesting question. Um, I want to thank our writer for sending this in. I can see that this is a cause of concern for her, hearing mixed messages from those external to her, as well as wondering what to do with the leanings of her own heart. I will say up front that there is no easy answer, nor is there a one-size-fits-all answer. So there, you know, there's a lot that we can say it depends about. <laughs> so let's, <laughs> yes. let's, consider, <laughs> let's consider some things that our writer and other listeners should consider, regardless of whether they had this question in mind concerning themselves, so as our writer does, or perhaps are thinking about the choices or predispositions of a friend that they have in mind. So our writer shares that she has been told that she'll likely marry someone older. I'd be curious to ask her, why do you think others have said this? What makes them comment in this particular way? 
I'm curious also to know whether she is attracted to older men naturally or if these comments have somehow shaped her outlook. I'm not saying that this is good or bad either way. I'm asking her to consider how much is, quote, nature versus how much could be, quote, nurture. Mm. Um, So while perhaps a silly example, um, just consider like two different women could be told most of their lives that they would make wonderful singers, medical doctors, physicists, Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, One of those might be naturally gifted and apply herself well to such an area, while the other may merely believe what is said about her um, without actually having notable skill or interest. So all this to say, our writer does admit that she gravitates toward older men, but I'm curious if the messages she has heard may perhaps in any way raise those who are older in her estimation while perhaps prejudicing her against those who are closer to her age range. That's such a good point. I love the the question of nature uh, versus nurture. I realized as as you said that I totally misread that one word. And I said, I've been told my entire life that I would like to marry someone older. And I thought, wait, what? It's, I would likely marry someone older. So clarification for everyone listening. She's been told her entire life that she would likely marry someone older. And then she does gravitate toward older men. That is such a good point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, so getting back to my my place here, but in in principle, I don't think that there is anything flat out wrong about marrying someone significantly different in age than yourself. Um, age is in many ways relative. For example, there are fifty and sixty year olds who are still highly immature, and <sighs> those in their young twenties that are very mature. So, in that sense, we shouldn't be looking to match up with someone who has a. Um, necessarily a similar age, but more so who has similar core values and levels of maturity. Mm-hmm. So that that is far more important, I think, and can make age sometimes seem a little bit arbitrary. However, and this is a large however, I would caution against too large of an age gap, primarily due to the likelihood of a large gap in life experience. Right. So if, if I may present a personal example, my aunt and my uncle married when they were 40 and 50. And for them at that point in life, especially like that age gap did not present a huge disparity between them. However, and this is an extreme example, admittedly, if a 25 year old were considering married a 50 year old, that would be <laughs> entirely different. Um, again, it really does come down to the individuals in question, but I would strongly urge a lot of caution against an age gap so large, especially when the younger is so much younger by comparison. So think about like how relatively, how distant are they from their high school years? So for a 25 year old, that'd be seven years for someone in their 50, that'd be 32 years out of high school. So just again, you know, that's an extreme example. And I recognize that, but, um, and I don't want that to cause any kind of fear or judgment or to ruffle any feathers unnecessarily, but I'm painting with a broad brush and a stark color in order to make a point. Mm-hmm. So, um, if we look back at history and literature, even we have some lovely matches modeled in pairs, such as Emma Woodhouse and Mr. Knightley, who is 18 years her superior, and then Marianne Dashwood and Colonel Brandon, who was similarly um, uh, about 17 or 18 numbers uh, years, sorry, her her senior. Um, and while these fictitious matches are not necessarily meant to be a stamp of approval to such age gaps, on the contrary, actually the differences of our societies and lifestyles now could make them even quite silly to refer to in some respects. 
what they do show us is that character, maturity, and mutual love and respect all play a very important role in each match being a good and appropriate one. So to come back to the question of why our writer feels attracted to older men, why is it that she feels this way? What does she see in them that she does not see in those her own age? If she's in her early 20s, she is likely still in college or freshly out. And I can completely understand how a man in his older 20s, who is perhaps more established in his career, more mature in his character, would seem more desirable than her peers around her if they seem kind of immature in any way. Mm -hmm. But what I want to caution her against is not writing off those around her same age and also not placing those that are older on a pedestal. Mm, yes. Neither neither deserves such promotion or such demotion. I think that it's going to come down to the individual person assessing his stage of life and character in reference to her own level of maturity, her own life experience, and so forth. While I want to advise her to receive the wise input of those women in her life that are older and hold a place of trust in her life, it sounds like those that she knows already in that kind of age area are kind of against this idea. So mm -hmm. I, firstly, I, I wonder why that is, um, what's shaping their perspectives in this case. Um, and while she may not be able to plumb the depths of what has formed their particular opinions, I think it would be beneficial to ask these trusted older women for more elaboration on their thoughts. Yes. Why? They are against dating older men and adamantly against it, it, as she says, is something to pay attention to. I'm not saying that this um, stage, whether they are right or wrong, as I've noted, they they could be right about one man or and wrong about another. It comes down <laughs> to the individual pair for sure. But I do think that you owe it to them and to yourself to find out a bit more about their concern. These women likely know you better than Kelia and I do. We know we only have your letter for reference and I advise you to be humble um, before mm -hmm. them and to receive their, in, um, their input. Not to say that everything they say will necessarily be what you need to follow. I don't know them or their positions, so I can't comment on that. But again, I do think that you should at least hear them out as to their reasoning and then carefully and prayerfully discern what to hold on to and what to discard. Mm-hmm. While I do think that romantic relationships and thus marriages can take place between people with significant age gaps and say generally within maybe five to 10 years, I want to provide the caution and caveat that I am not giving my stamp of approval for just everyone. I'm not saying to throw caution to the wind. And that being said, even those the same age may easily not well be suited for each other, you know, it always depends on the pair of people. So I can't yes. just say people that are the same age should definitely be, you know, good for each other. <laughs> no, it's like, who who is the person and who are you? So bottom line, I don't want to see you or any listener taken advantage of, blindsided or hurt due to a lack of awareness, a lack of caution, or not having as much seasoned wisdom. We can often feel like we know so much in our early 20s, especially compared to our teenage years. And again, mm -hmm. like that's natural. It's a huge time of growth and maturity, but so are the rest of our 20s and each subsequent decade that follows. Please be prayerful and don't lightly dismiss the advice of trusted others around you, especially those who have walked the path longer. 
I hope you'll take each unique case into prayerful consideration and that the Holy Spirit will guide you into all wisdom. Hmm. I really, I so agree with your last point. You, you really think you are so mature (laughs) when you're 21. I think about who I was five years ago. I thought I had it all figured out. I, I was just, I, I, and I, now I look back and I go, wow, I was really dumb. (laughs) I was really silly. I didn't know anything. And I can't wait to look back on myself now, you know, 10 years from now and go, wow, I still had a lot to learn. So that that's a really good last point, um, is you might feel really mature and maybe you are, but I mean, still in your early twenties, you still have so, so, so much life that you haven't lived yet. And it's one thing to be mature for your age. You know, I feel like Mm -hmm. that was always told to me when I was younger. And I think it, it, it sometimes is still told to me now. I think it just depends on who it is that's looking at you and, and, and saying those things. But um, even just developmentally, our prefrontal cortex in our brain, which is like where we make decisions from, it's not fully developed until you're 25. I know. And so it, it, to think back to my, like, oh yeah, decisions I made when I was 18, 19, then I was 22. I was like, oh, that wasn't a very good decision three years ago. Or then, you know, you're 27, 28. And you're like, oh, when I was 24, I made that decision. So again, like you're never fully there, Mm -hmm. obviously. Like we're always growing, like we're saying, but to be careful about recognizing what age gap between what ages and where are you on your journey? Where is that person on their journey? It's just, it's just, you know, a call for being cautious and wise. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I wish we could answer this question a little bit more definitively, but it really is just like a, it depends Mm -hmm. thing. It really does. Um, I really enjoyed getting this question because it is something that we haven't touched on yet. And so of course there's no formula, no answer that fits everything when, when it comes to relationships. And yet when it comes to age, especially a lot of us actually do tend to fit inside this norm, which for most relationships, the age gap is just a little bit over two years. And I think there's a few reasons why that is that of course I'll get into later, but first I'll just speak a little bit from personal experience that, um, maybe is going to connect with our writer. So when I was dating, I often found that guys, my age were pretty immature and disappointing. The guys in their very, very early twenties, which is how old I was the last time that I was dating really didn't know what they wanted, whether we're talking about a career or a relationship or anything else. Everything was very much up in the air. And that just wasn't something that I wanted. It also wasn't what I needed at that time. I was ready for someone who had more direction in their life, who knew who they were and what they wanted. I was ready to be looking for someone to begin building a life with. And so I ended up marrying someone who was seven, eight years older than me. And I'm assuming that our writer has similar issues with guys her age. This is typically the reason that younger women might be, might end up looking for someone a bit older than they are, um, as well as young women who are maybe just more mature than other women their age. If they've had a lot of success in their career, maybe, or they're ready for a family well before others their age are, which can be intimidating for younger guys. So I don't think it's bad or unhealthy to look for someone who's just more established and secure and mature. 
this is, I think, understandable for young women who have a direction for themselves and just simply want someone else who also has a direction. But that being said, I think that it's easy to take this to the extreme and end up dating someone that's just a little bit too old for us. Mm. And I think there are a few ways that we can tell if our age gap is going to cause problems down the line. And um, which in turn, these are the reasons that many women do go for someone just two or three years older than them. And these may be the reasons that our writer says her older female friends are speaking so adamantly against age gaps in relationships. Um, you know, maybe, maybe they personally have experiences of dating someone a little bit older that didn't go well, or maybe it has to do with what I'm about to say. First, it's important to take into account the stages of life that you are both in and if they complement one another or if they would clash with one another. And it's not always easy to tell when you're just in the dating stage, but it's important to really try to be honest with ourselves when we think about whether or not we're actually in similar stages. So a couple of examples of being in really different stages to the point where it causes enough friction that a relationship can't be um, long-term would be if he's ready to have kids in the next 10 years or in the next year, I mean, and she's not, or if he's ready to go settle down in the suburbs and she's really not ready to move out of the city anytime soon, you do need to be in at least kind of similar stages because otherwise it's a little bit like speaking a different language. He's thinking about retirement funds and you're thinking about beginning your career. Hmm. And not sharing a life stage in common makes longevity a lot more difficult to pull off because one of you is always going to end up feeling like their needs and their desires always come second. Or like you're always the one expected to bend to the other, which I don't think is a good feeling for a lasting relationship. Obviously, compromise always exists in every relationship, but there's a fine line between healthy compromise and constantly feeling like we have to give up what would be best for us. Another potential issue, and this is specifically, I think, for couples with a more significant gap, like maybe more than 10 years, um, the older person is likely going to have more life experience and more money, et cetera. And this can sometimes create a sort of power imbalance that makes it difficult to function as a healthy couple. Because I think the healthiest relationships have two people who, with all of their differences, still consider the other one their equal. And that just naturally becomes harder when two people are such different ages and have such different life experiences. And I'm definitely not saying every couple with this gap is going to have this issue, just that the, mm -hmm. I think the bigger the gap, that's going to just naturally create more potential for that issue to arise. Right. right when I think yeah. about like just giving obviously the silly, but like li literary example of something like <laughs> Emma Woodhouse and Mr. Knightley, like he'll say, you know, like I, I remember when you were, you know, this little infant's age, like when he was 18 and like they're holding their, their yeah. new niece. It's like, well, it's kind of <laughs> weird to think about, but I mean, you know, obviously when, when you get into your you're more like middle, middle age, that gap doesn't feel as big, but it, yeah. When someone has been an adult while you were still a child, you do have to 
see, does that person have the maturity and the character to be able to like overlook that? Or will that become something that they hold over your head in a way? Like, you know, it's exactly, I think it just makes a little too much room for that to happen with the wrong person, obviously with the right person that wouldn't Mm -hmm. happen, but, um, yeah, which is why it worked out for Emma and Mr. Knight. Exactly. (laughs) He was just the right person, I guess. It's still kind of a weird age gap that I don't really like to think about. (laughs) But there's no, of course, hard and fast rule, like we've said, for how big of an age gap is too much. But of course, it's definitely case to case. However, I do think that our life stages, it's just so important to take that into account. And that typically Mm -hmm. 10 years is, I think, a good kind of cutoff. Again, there are couples with even more of an age difference that are really happy. But I think generally speaking, this is wise to set as a cutoff. Right. That's more like, that's not, that's the exception rather than what's exactly. normal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I really don't say this just because um, I didn't just pick a number. Um, this is just what studies on relationships with large age gaps tell us. Dating within 10 years of our own age will increase the likelihood that our relationship will be successful and lasting and life-giving. And anything more than that will just make room for the issues that we talked about before. Um, But one thing, one more thing I think is important to touch on is, and Jessica lightly touched on this as well. I, I think it is easy to fall into the trap of having this image of what we think our type is. And, you know, she said that she's heard all of her life, that it's likely that she's going to marry an older man and that she finds herself gravitating towards them. And so she has kind of a type, I think. And um, I think it's easy to have this image that so burnt into our mind that to, to the point where we ignore someone else who would have been a great match. So a different example, you know, nothing to do with age is um, maybe a woman who says that she only wants to date guys over six feet tall. And, you know, many women prefer tall men. This is hardly groundbreaking, but the issue <laughs> is <laughs> she might ignore a really wonderful guy that's five, nine, you know, which is an average height because he doesn't match one facet of what she'd always thought was her type, Mm -hmm. even though he matched every other facet, maybe that she was looking for in a, in a significant other. So I say this Mm -hmm. only to, um, caution our writer against falling into this trap and just remaining open to finding someone who's actually a really wonderful match for her. That just happens to be closer in age, maybe, You just never know who you might meet. And I just think it's wise when we're looking for a life partner to allow our expectations to be subverted. Hmm. But with all that said, I ultimately think what's really important for a writer is to find someone that she shares a life direction with, who has the same values, the same priorities, you know, whether or not they want kids, where they want to live, if they want to home educate or not. Really, this is what makes a marriage possible or not, is being on the same page when it comes to what we want out of life, what we think a life well-lived looks like. Mm. So I encourage our writer to focus less on age and also a little bit less on others, less on what others are saying, maybe in the sense of, um, you know, listening to other people say, oh, you're probably going to marry older all of your life. Maybe listen a little bit less to that. And just pay attention more to the markings of a relationship with real potential. So 
I wish her the best of luck as she searches for her life partner. And I hope we were able to offer some good advice to her today. Yeah. All right. So it is time for the May We Suggest segment of the podcast, where we suggest to you the things that we have been reading, watching, eating, or wearing this week that just made us really happy to be alive. Everything we suggest will be linked in the description of this episode for you to check out. So Jessica, what is your suggestion this week? Well, I have really been enjoying the Spotify radio playlist based on the song Awaken from Dario Marianelli's score for the 2011 Jane Eyre film. So Mm. we'll have a link because that was a big mouthful. But (laughs) a side note, my favorite Jane Eyre film is the 2006 TV miniseries with Ruth Wilson and Toby Stevens. I guess this is maybe a dual recommendation. It's not easy to find that one. Um, But Mm. the newer film, but 2011 one has just this splendid soundtrack. And I like the radio based on Awaken, that song. Plus, you just really also need to read the book. <laughs> I mean, yes, <laughs> I was true. Using the music and the films and the book. <laughs> the book is the best. Anyway, all this aside, the music on this radio playlist has been keeping me company as I have considered our writer's question, as I have been working in my branding for my, my business and so much more. It's it's emotive and it's romantic. Sometimes it's slightly melancholy. So mm. I recommend giving it a listen. I love that. I love slightly melancholy. That's the sweet spot in my opinion. (laughs) Um, This week I am suggesting some silk pillowcases that I have had for a little while now and I just really love. So not only do I just feel like a princess resting my head on a bed of silk, but it's also actually supposedly much better for your skin. It keeps your face from creasing while you sleep and that creates wrinkles. So it's supposed to help with that. And it's also supposed to reduce the frizz and friction for your hair while you sleep. So that just also leads to healthier hair. Um, They also stay cooler for those who really enjoy having a cold pillow like me. And lastly, it just looks really pretty in my opinion to have a silky pillowcase just like shining on on your bed. (laughs) So (laughs) if you are looking to up your sleeping game, think about investing in some silk pillowcases today. (laughs) (laughs) Nice sales pitch. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, this sounds like a commercial by the end. Uh, All right. To wrap up this episode, Jessica, how can listeners find and connect with you? Listeners can find me on my food and lifestyle blog, This Real Journey, and on Instagram at Jessica J. Schroeder. And also, if you're interested in learning more about my up-and-coming business, Eden and Me, please visit edenandme.com to subscribe to my email list and follow me on Instagram as well at edenandme.ig. So exciting. So exciting. Everyone go do that. (laughs) <laughs> if you want to get in contact with me, you can search my name on any of the social socials and reach out. And of course, check out Wildflower Journal, where we have new articles coming out every week about relationships, beauty, recipes, personal stories, and so much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Dear Wallflower today. If you have a question you'd like answered, you can send your letter to Dear Wallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. Every letter we read will be kept totally anonymous. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.